Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. We're so glad to be with you today and glad to be back together. I'm Jenna Layden, the founder of Star Family Wisdom, and I'm here with Sinead Wellahan, our podcast co-host. And we did two episodes solo uh, over the last couple of weeks. So we're excited to come together and talk about our findings and how our research um, is coming together to tell an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, we're major nerds, we celebrate that all the time, and, you know, we're always talking about how many books we bought, and all the new books that we have, and all the juicy stuff we're finding, so it is really fun to share this information in many ways, information from books, information from people that we admire with our audience, and uh, the one today is really, really, really fun, Giants, which <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about with you, and you just did a beautiful book talk about that. Um, maybe you can get us started with a couple of things that jumped out to you from that book, because I know there was a lot that got you excited. Uh, yeah, I never thought I would be talking about Giants publicly, but here we are, and turns out, you know, the biggest takeaway is that giants are real. <laughs> giants have walked the face of the earth, and giants are a very real um, part of our human history, and in a lot of ways, you know, we've relegated them to mythology and folklore and haven't really acknowledged that as a part of our true human history, and I guess the you know, part of this book that was so profound for me was just all of the physical evidence, right? It's it's one thing to, you know, study ancient texts and draw conclusions from that sort of research, you know, and, and conclusions that seem to point to a very different story of our human history, like you shared in your book talk previously of Paul Wallace's Scars of Eden, but when you start to explore, you know, even more of the physical evidence that exists, it's incredible. Like it just opens up this whole new world for us to explore. And so, the, you know, the physical evidence is just extraordinary, like evidence of skeletal remains of giants ranging in stature from seven feet all the way up to 14 feet found all across North America, just almost in every single state in the United States. And just recently, you even heard about a new site in Canada where remains were being found. So like, that's the biggest takeaway for me is that we've just got so much evidence now for the existence of giants. Crazy. It's crazy. I mean, and it's not just now, like, this is one of the things that you and I have talked about so many times, you know, we're living in a time when a lot of this information is able to come more to the fore for a variety of reasons. Um, but this is not really new information. Like this is information that's been around for a really long time, including published in newspapers in the 1800s and the 1900s, uh, you know, around the world, reputable publications and, you know, ac academics from all over the world came to these sites and checked them out. Researchers came and checked them out. Like, this is this is stuff that when we say evidence, we mean evidence. We mean actual physical evidence, documentation of you know excavations that were done, just like any other kind of architectural mm -hmm. investigation or excavation would have been done. These were treated the same way, and yet the information just poof disappears. Why is that? And you know, it doesn't make any sense. So I have this like part of my excitement about it is. I was having flashbacks of being a child. I mentioned this in my book talk about Paul's book, Scar to, Scars mm -hmm. of Eden. 
I remember being a child in elementary school and I was really obsessed with Greek mythology for uh, several years there. I knew all the myths off by heart. I knew the constellations. I knew all the stories and I was getting into the Roman myths too. And part of that was talking about the Titans, right? the, the hybrid race that was created by Zeus and the gods and the human beings on earth um, interbreeding. And of course I read it as mythology because that's how it was presented to me as but now as an adult, I have this feeling of discovering, like you were alluding to, the impossible, you know, that my childhood fascination has actually become real life. And that is something that is just, uh, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it because whoever gets to say that, that, you know, childhood fables and mysteries that you read about and that feed your imagination and your sense of wonder about the world, that you can again get a little experience of that memory of that body memory and that feeling again as an adult by discovering actual information it's pretty amazing how do you feel <laughs> how you felt reading the book well what you just talked about around you know the evidence and well credentialed you know researchers professionals in their fields finding this evidence commenting on it writing about it over the last hundred years, and yet that doesn't hit the mainstream news, that doesn't even make it into our history books, right? Like what I learned in school seems like, you know, this very small sliver of our actual history, you know, and it, it really makes you question your whole worldview. It makes you change your whole worldview, right? And and, and, you know, in the uh, recording that I just did for the Giants on Record book, I quote, you know, a person from the Smithsonian who acknowledges that the remains, you know, of one, you know, being that was found absolutely are real, absolutely point to the fact that giants have existed on Earth. And, and I think, you know, what you know, what we've seen in terms of that evidence over the last hundred years, just kind of getting, you know, pushed to the side or left alone or just not looked at because it's a little inconvenient, wow. you know, is one of those things that kind of makes you a little angry, you know, like, come on, what are we doing? You know, this is important stuff but also makes you excited, like what you just said, right? That so much of what we thought were these kind of fantastic stories that were, you know, fun to think about, but you also just kind of brushed off as being made up. It's kind of exciting to realize that we actually have this really big history with giant beings who came from space, and interacted with slash made humans on earth like that's important incredible stuff to to talk about and to bring forward and to have conversations about and yeah it just is it's one of those things where you just have to laugh a little bit about the absurdity of our our human evolution and the absurdity of not wanting to look at that stuff, not wanting to look at that evidence because it's inconvenient. Yeah, I mean, it just really speaks to how constructed our lives are, you know, yeah. and that's not necessarily the same thing as controlled. I do believe that our lives are controlled to a certain degree, of course, but they're also constructed in ways that I think were meant to benefit us in some ways. And 
those constructions, whether they meant were meant to benefit us or not, um, can result in in thinking that is collective and that is not accurate because mm -hmm. constructions, of course, have to be made in a very particular kind of way, right? And there has to be a particular kind of philosophy. So whether it's government, whether it's school systems, whether it's healthcare, whether it's, you know, just the zeitgeist of culture, it's constructed and it's constructed in a way that is meant to deliver uh, a common message to us collectively. And so there's not a lot of opportunity to find all of the outlying um, aspects that don't fit into the narrative we're being fed, but they're still there. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to make a little joke here. During the Queen's funeral, I'm Canadian, right? You're American. The Queen's funeral just happened, the Queen of, of England. And uh, she was an absolutely incredible person. The royal family is, of course, very problematic. But during her funeral, there was a giant in the procession. There was an over seven foot tall man who was in the procession. He was the talk of the town. Everybody was like, who is that gigantic guy? And I mean, there, that's not the evidence that we're talking about, but the DNA, the genetic component- Still exists. Yeah. It does exist. Yeah. And it shows up Andre the Giant is somebody who's very famous around the world. I think giants, we know in this day here in the year 2022, there are people who are giants all over the world. Mm -hmm. And there are also people who have dwarfism and who are dwarves, right? So we know that there's all different sizes of human beings. Why can't we stretch that idea a little more and think that there might just have been more of them, you know, right. in, in the last couple of centuries plus, right. and that you know there's evidence to support that. I don't, I don't think that's so ridiculous and impossible, especially when you've got people like um, experts in the Smithsonian who are saying no, this is actually real, and that when you hear about um, from genetic researchers who have looked at the DNA of the material, mm -hmm. the physical material that has been found, it's not exactly the same as the general human DNA. There's something different about it. So what's up with that? You know, why can't we explore these things? It's fascinating. Exactly. Well, and you've got like the evidence of the redheaded giants, you know, in North America and South America. You see that with um, some of the remains that have been found in Peru, right? And it just, it all just begs the question, why? Right? Like, why have we not wanted to create a new narrative of our history, a new common understanding of where we've come from and what has been true on earth? Like, why? Like, why have we denied that? Because it, it also gets to a point where that's a collective shadow. Like, that's a collective trauma, essentially, that we're, like, suppressing and not wanting to look at. And that causes all sorts of other problems you know, for the human race collectively, when we, when we deny a large part of our reality, like we've talked about that with the UFO phenomena and the ET contact phenomena, that the reason it's happening in the ways it's happening is because, is, is largely because of our just staunch denial, you know, that we could be with other beings in the universe, right? And so that then creates this, this weird situation we've got to work through. It really does. I mean, yeah, I love that you you bring up the the um the bar the bigger picture of you know not just Earth and what's happening on Earth because there are incredible things just happening on this planet that are mind blowing and paradigm busting and make us think about everything. But then when you consider that we are just a globe floating around in this massive, unmeasurable, ever expanding universe that is full of bajillions of other galaxies and planets. 
you know, we know there has to be life out there. It does not make any sense that there would not be life out there. So, you know, here we are living in a time when we have all kinds of advantages for collecting and finding research and analyzing um, information and studying and investigating in ways we've never had before. And it's, it's giving us such a rich opportunity to not only find this stuff and refine this stuff, but also share it with each other because of the internet, right? So the internet I see as being highly problematic in many ways. I avoid screens as much as possible, but it's also a benefit. It's also a gift. And so, you know, here we are living in this dualistic universe. The, the, the internet is both positive and negative, but it helps us connect. It helps us make make a sort of map around the world yeah. of this information so that we see the web of interconnectivity right. and we have to validate these trends all over the place. And, you know, the patterns are really incredible. Giants are just one of them. Well, I mean, it's like uh, giants in Russia, it's just astounding. Well, and yeah, not to mention the, this physical skeletal evidence, you know, we've also got the megalithic structures, right, all around the world, pyramidal structures all around the world that are of proportions that would be very difficult for humans of our stature, you know, to to build and to, to maintain in the way that they were. And you start to see this evidence, right, of this like potentially global civilization, right? It's a global effort, at least, right? To create these sites and, and this, like you said, this pattern around the world that does point <laughs> to, to the fact that giants existed. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, since you've, you know, you've just recently kind of re-delved into, is that a word, re-delved into Paul Wallace's work with Scars of Eden, you know, as a former archdeacon, someone who was of the Christian faith, who has evolved his worldview and now coaches, you know, other ministers, priests, people of faith who are also going through a similar process. You know, what do you think the, I guess, what do you think the risk is, right, to the structures, the systems, um, or even systems of belief, right, that we have in place when we go exploring this information? Like, well, I guess, what stands out to you about that? having recently, you know, revisited his work? Um, well, the, what I can tell you right away, what, co what comes to mind is something I highlighted in the book talk, which is that Paul maps very clearly a correlation between the expansion of religion and the expansion of colonialism. Mm -hmm. There's a very clear parallel between those two things. And of course, that's kind of obvious when you think back, but the way that he lays it out in this book, Scars of Eden, is really something else because he gives it he gives it a world perspective. It's not just a he's Australian, so he's not only talking about how that worked in Australia or North America. He's talking about religion as a narrative that we have used to construct our societies, because to construct our cultures, to construct our belief systems, our morals, our ethics. And so, you know, his point is that the earliest, earliest stories of human creation in the Bible, which did involve extraterrestrials, did involve giants, this is all proven, I mean, he has evidence to support this, that those early, early narratives were setting the stone for what later became, you know, what what is now the society that we know, and that um, religion was a form of, of course, control. It was also a form of people trying to connect with the universe, and it just became very misguided, right, and became edited by humans over time. But that colonialism is a big part of it because the form 
of colonialism that was enacted by religious people was definitely oppression, control, and overtaking land. And so when you go into other lands, when you form an empire and you go into another land and take them over, you're wiping out whatever was there before. You're not interested in the previous culture, the previous tradition or history. So there's just so many ways that this narrative was um, erased. You know, it wasn't only purposefully edited out over out of religious texts over time. It was also erased by force because of human domination over other humans and empire as forms of control over other humans, right? So I really appreciated that illustration because it really is true when you think about um, what religion started off as being or what faith started off as being and what it has become, it really could not be farther away from its origins. And the origins were what Jesus said, right? Be kind, uh, realize that all of us are Jesus, all of us are God, all of us are connected with the universe. The power does not belong to a certain group of people. So Paul points out how worshiping those people who have made themselves leaders is really a, a, the wrong way to go. We have to listen to the source. We have to listen to Jesus and the, the wise ones who were here long, long ago and tried to teach us a better way of living. That mm -hmm. became, you know, we, went, we went the wrong way. But mm -hmm. Paul really illustrates that so well that it just made me think a lot about how I am not a religious person. You know, my parents did not raise me to be religious, but I'm still subject to that narrative because it's woven into so many aspects of just how we live and how we think in, yeah. in our, even in literature, you know, which is supposed yeah. to be fiction, that thinking is still woven in. So yeah, it's really interesting how it just permeates everything. And that once you get into this stuff, the weird stuff that you and I are into, um, it's like you have just pulled a curtain aside and realized that there's a whole other window to look out of or world to walk into or, or door to walk through, you know, it just completely changes your perspective and you can't deny that there are facts right there in front yeah. of us. And it, it begs the question of evolving our religions, right? Like it, 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 it forces us to, to change, you know, the story, right, of, <laughs> of, of, of what we're worshiping and why and all of that. And yeah, I love how Paul, you know, does a really excellent job of weaving in indigenous history on the planet in his books and, and comparing, you know, that with what was, you know, biblical historical record and, um, and, and I guess deriving from that, this, this very different, you know, narrative about our history and, 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 and even in the book giants on record, you know, they document a lot of the written chronicles of the conquestors, right. The conquistadors, the, the people who were out on behalf of, you know, the empire, right. Wreaking havoc around the world. And in those records, which we did not get taught in history school or, or in history class in those records, they talk about finding giants, right? When they show up on the shores of Patagonia or on the shores of the East Coast of the U.S., giants of, you know, 12, 14 feet were still existing then, like as, as recently as like the 1500s, you know, and they were wiped out like you said, like just through the violence that happened around the world, you know, the, the truth of, who we were and what did exist just got wiped out. And it's just awful to think about, you know, but even as recently as then, you know, we had, we had beings on our planet who were the descendants of that, 
you know, extinct giant race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're in Guatemala. Like it, they're really, it, it is astounding how it's not just arche architectural or sorry, archaeological evidence that is being found. It's also um, depictions of, I'm thinking of one particular document that is coming to mind, but it's too fuzzy of a memory where um, I was studying African Canadian history in, in university. And it was a book that talked about arriving on a shore somewhere and finding these huge people. I think it was Papua New Guinea, maybe um, that finding these enormous people who were just part of, you know, the population living on that Island and they couldn't believe it. Like these are actual depictions from travelers, world travelers who went out to explore the world. So, I mean, the stories are there, the facts are there, the evidence is there. And again, like you were saying, why can't we know these things? So what do you think, Jenna? What do you think is the reason why we haven't been um, made aware of all of these different aspects of our genetic history, of our, you know, our existence on this planet? What's up with that? I think it, it, you know, builds on what you were just talking about around, you know, some of Paul's research and how it really conflicts with the religious narratives that we've developed. And on top of those religious narratives, we now have, you know, systems, right, structures in place that, um, that create a, a an environment that's difficult to change, right? And when so many of our systems and structures have been built off of this idea of consolidating power and wealth, and that has been, um, I guess, validated or or has been attempted to be validated by the fact that, um, you know, our religious narratives maybe have allowed that to flourish, right? That there has been this, like you said, kind of a misguided approach to understanding our connection with the universe and each other. That's a lot to unwind, you know, it's a lot to change. And, you know, those early religious narratives seem to have also largely excluded the fact that we had other creators involved, right, in our world. And, you know, when we only want to think that there was one God creating humans and creating the earth in this very specific manner, well, the truth just bumps up against that in a really awkward way, right? And like, like that's an understatement, right, to say that you know, it's, I think it's kind of an effort to just hide the truth that we were created by ETs, you know, like that's what it boils down to. And that's super uncomfortable for a lot of people. And, and, you know, I love what Paul also talks about around how, you know, both can be true. It's like, we can recognize that as part of our history and recognize the spirituality that is also true about our reality and our, you know, connection with God and source and, um, you know, the teachings of Jesus are still true, right? Like there are still so many aspects of the quote, good parts, right. Of our, you know, religions that can be maintained, but it does require us to like hold both truths, you know, and that is, awkward at this point, given where we're at, you know, like that's just an awkward change to make. And it is going to be upsetting for a lot of people, I think. 
I think so too. I mean, it is, it is destabilizing for people. It was destabilizing for Paul, right? I mean, it, it was destabilizing for me too, for a little while, you know, it's like, that's a huge shift to make. <laughs> like, like, like I, I got taught that we were created by God and that didn't seem right to me. Totally. Like the, the story I was told just didn't quite land for me, but I also couldn't reconcile a different truth either you know and when I figured out the real truth it, it was shocking for a while you know like that's shocking stuff to integrate <laughs> it is pretty crazy I mean for me like um you know my experience has been a little different from yours I've always had an unusual experiences sort of woven into my life and so I've always I've never had this feeling like there was a god but I always did have this feeling that there's something else going on. I don't know what it is and I need to find out what it is, but there's more than what we all see here, right? I just had this feeling. I didn't have a name for it and have any place to put it. And I had a father who really, I have a father who really um, encouraged me to embrace magic and imagination and creativity when I was a child. And I think that helped a lot with helping me stay open. But, you know, absolutely, I have been subject to the conditioning that we're all subject to and you know, that conditioning says that we're supposed to live this way and that this way is the way that will give us what we're supposed to need to, what we're, what we'll need to survive and will also give us happiness and that this is the ultimate. And all you have to do is follow this recipe of steps, right? You get married, you have children, you buy a house, you have a car, you have a good job that pays you this much money and you own these kinds of things. And then, and you can do these kinds of things in your life, go to restaurants, travel, and no, you'll, you'll be perfectly happy and you'll feel like you know, your, your beingness is, is, is living its best life. And that never felt right to me. I just never found satisfaction in any of that really, um, in that mapping and, uh, and kept failing at it over and over again too. And thinking like, what's going on with that? Why do I keep failing like at this? And, you know, then where really is my place in the world? So it's helpful to have a questioning mind. And it's definitely helpful to those of us who felt like we've never fit in anywhere to, um, maybe have an easier time accessing this kind of bizarre, seemingly bizarre information. But, you know, it is so important, like you're saying, to embrace both because we do live in a dualistic reality. We live in a dualistic dimension. That's what I firmly believe. And to me, that means that everything that exists, including me, has duality in it, both so-called good and so-called bad. And why can't we embrace all of that? I mean, we really are taught that it's got to be either this way or that way. It has to be black or white. It has to be yes or no, off or on. There's all these opposites that we're very attached to. And we really don't live in a way that is involving wholeness and being okay with the so-called bad existing alongside the so-called good. Mm -hmm. So I firmly agree with Paul and with the, the authors of Giants on Record Um and they're saying that, you know, there is no actual reason why we can't know these things or why we can't at least explore them and investigate them. So the question is, who has been suppressing this? And I mean, I don't think it's any one group of people. I don't know about you. I feel like it's been a collective snowballing effect over many, many, many centuries around the world, but that there have been certain people that have been able to hold on to power um, you know, in ways that are not beneficial to the rest of the population. But I don't believe that they are the ones that are holding everything back. I think that collectively we've made a lot of mistakes and that has resulted in us knowing less than we need to. So what is your take on that? Oh yeah, I think it's 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 just systemic at this point, right? Like I think, uh, like you said, it's the snowball effect, right? That we 
we denied this information, mm-hmm. right? A, a certain group of people did deny it at one point, right? Like there were people who chose what books went in the Bible and all of that, right? And how we articulated them, right? So that that happened. And then you get a culture that's built around that, right? And then and and then you've got this consolidation of power and wealth because of that. You've got this colonial, you know, conquest that happens around the world, which, you know, further consolidates wealth and power. And you know, it just becomes, yeah, this 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 uh, kind of, for lack of a better word, machine, right? That we've built that prevents us from seeing it all, you know, and, and then you get born into the machine, right? You get born into the culture you're in, you go to the school that you go to, you get, you know, fed the history that was the agreed upon history. And because we're stubborn as humans, right? Like it's, and it's, and it's a difficult to change. Like none of us love change, right? That is a, a fact of life. And like, we have to embrace that too, but like none of us love change. And so then the idea of having to go back and rewrite all that and come to agreement on what that new narrative is like, that's complicated. And, and, and so that's not something that can just very easily be undone, you know, in, in one generation, even, I think, you know, so this is, I think it's just a symptom, right? It's a symptom of us falling into our dark ages. It's a symptom of the rise of patriarchy. It's a symptom of colonialism around the world. And it's just gotten out of hand, you know, kind of like the UFO cover-up, right? Like there, there is a cover-up. We know that that's been acknowledged, you know, through like declassified CIA documents at this point. And that was done for some good reason at the time, right? But then it just got out of hand, you know, and now we're in an awkward position <laughs> with that too. Yeah. So, it's, so it's like, we just create these, we just create these situations that get awkward for us to deal with. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I love that. I love that. And of course, the, it's like, you know, that old that old thing that we all know, if the longer you carry on a lie, the more you get tangled up in it, right? So yeah. be careful about the tangled webs you weave. I forget what the saying is, but yeah, here we are. Really, yeah, really big one. We've got a big web. We've got a big web to unweave here. <laughs> Literally a worldwide web and maybe even an intergalactic galactic web. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, the beings that are visiting us are kind of like, what are you guys doing? You know, they're, they're giving us the message that we're not treating the planet properly. We're not treating yeah. ourselves properly, each other, animals. You know, that there's so much information out there that is that they know that we don't and they want us to know it. So it's like much going on at this time and once again I feel you know even with all the scary stuff that's going on in the world I feel really fortunate to be alive at this time because of what we're talking about the fact that we have access to um, this incredible information in a way that we never have before we're able to come together about that information in a way we never have before and that because of the unrest that's happening all the way around the world, people are thinking a lot more about what is life, what is meaning in life, what do we really need for happiness, how do we really need to be living? So it just seems like we're living in a time that's ripe with opportunity to dive into this stuff. Yeah. And I love that we get to be part of that. I know, you know, it's, it's, it's huge transformation to go through, you know, unpacking all of this and, and, choosing, you know, to, to form new beliefs around it, choosing to, you know, be open to something new. And yeah, that sort of transformation is messy. You know, that sort of transformation, you know, is what we're 
experiencing on the planet. And, you know, what you said about the ETs showing back up, it's like, sometimes I wonder, you know, like, I know they, they love us and they, they want the best for us and all of that. There are so many benevolent beings, you know, in support of planet earth, but you got to wonder sometimes if they're just like, oh man, they did it again. <laughs> they, they created a mess again. And now we've got, we got to help them clean it up. <laughs> and I, I do wonder, this is something that's been kind of a narrative out there in the, in the community of researchers who are agreeing that there was this, you know, early race of giant star beings who showed up on earth at one point. That's where the giants came from. You know, among that community, there's like varying narratives, right, about the potential return of those beings. And I'm curious what you think about that, because I, you know, I, I have varied um, opinions, you know, about that. But I, I also have had some fun just kind of imagining like what it would be like if all of a sudden our open contact was with giants. Like what if it, you know, what if it wasn't, you know, like humanoid, you know, uh, smaller in stature, you know, beings like us that would be a little easier to relate to and that sort of thing, right? It makes you wonder what would that be like if all of a sudden some giants just showed up, you know, like people who were like the size of buildings, like that would be incredible. <laughs> It would be pretty incredible. I mean, I hope, I hope that you know, if that does happen, that we are at a better point culturally and societally in terms of uh, how much fear we carry with us, because there really is an awful lot of fear mongering in our sort of you know general way of operating, and that is encouraged by things like consumerism and advertising and news media and stuff like that. So, I really hope that as we're living in this time where people are turning away from the old models um, of being and the old models of organization of our societies and even the old ways of thinking and communicating in some ways, I think that, you know, it, it would be a very rough transition because as you were saying, we don't like change. And I think that whenever a giant, <laughs> not to make a point, <laughs> but whenever a giant change is going to happen, um, it's pretty rough going for a while, you know, it gets pretty uncomfortable and then things settle again, the waters kind of settle again. So I could see that freaking a lot of people out. I could see people getting really scared, but I hope that if it does occur, we're a little bit more evolved. We're a little bit more aware of what is going on, that we are, you know, members of the galactic community and that, um, maybe by that point, given that the UFO ET topic is already out there, that there could be some more validating information about that that would help people segue into, you know, understanding that there are also other kinds of beings actually on the planet. Because the talk really is among some researchers that giants are still here, they live in the inner earth, and that Sasquatch might may, might even be a derivative of, of giants in some way. There's a bit of theory about that. Um, I don't think so. I think Sasquatch are probably a different a different race, but we are all genetically intertwined. You know, we know that that is fact. That is fact on earth that we have stardust in our DNA, so-called, right? So I think that all kinds of things are possible. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting time right now. I just feel like we have avenues to discover this stuff and have experiences now that we never did before. So like you, I'm wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a big open contact experience for all of us with ETs and UFOs? Is there going to be 
what is going to occur, I really have no idea. Or here. a giant change, as you said, your, your pun that might be a prophecy. We don't know. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the prophecy of science coming back to Earth. <laughs> or at least coming out of the Earth. Exactly. Or coming out, yeah. Like there's so much that we still don't know about our oceans. Like the vast majority of our oceans are, yeah. are completely unknown to us. And yeah. of course, the core of the earth is largely unknown to us. Well, you've heard that story of Admiral Byrd, right? From like, what, the 1920s, 30s, 40s, whenever that was, earlier part, you know, of the last century, an exploration, right, of Antarctica, this admiral on record, going into a cavernous inner earth area of Antarctica that appeared to have a city in it, appeared to have you know, vegetation, right? Appeared to be temperate. Like, what's that about? <laughs> like, is that where the giants are? Exactly, right? I mean, like, there's got to be, there's a lot about Antarctica that we still don't know. I mean, there's a lot on our own planet that we yeah. still don't discovered so how can we possibly say how can anyone possibly say that they know all that there is to know about anything that is impossible we are in a constant state of learning evolution and discovery you know even science is um you know is not the be all we can only say with science that we know what science is currently telling us but next year it could be something different the year after that it could be something different i mean albert einstein had his own discoveries um critiqued later on by other researchers and other scientists who found flaws in his work. And he's one of the most brilliant thinkers we've ever had. So these, you know, all of this stuff is valid. It's all rolling us forward. And we can't expect it to just arrive in, in perfect wholeness, you know, as the complete understanding of whatever it is. That is impossible. I think it's most important for us to be in a state of curiosity, of open-mindedness, of, you know, excitement about what is out there and what is in here in yeah. this planet that we have not found yet. And to, you know, be open to discovering that because it is part of the natural magic of life. Yeah. And, yeah. and being willing to change our minds when we're presented with new evidence. Like, like you said, like we're, we're going to continue to discover new things. There's going to be more that gets revealed, you know, in our lifetimes and in the next generation's lifetimes. And we've got to be able to, just evolve our understanding of ourselves and our planet and our universe as that happens. You know, if we stay so staunch in the version of what we thought we knew, that's just going to make it a lot harder as we evolve. So, so yeah, I think that the moral of the story is that giants absolutely have existed. ETs have created humans, had a hand in creating humans and there's a lot more that we're still learning every single day. <laughs> yeah. And I love this. I mean, this is just, yeah. it makes my whole life being able to discover this stuff, play with it, be curious about it, you know, make maps and connections between different, like, it's just, it's all so fun and it's all so fascinating. So I know it's uncomfortable for people and I know it can be a little stressful and seem really far out. But if you're willing to try it on and just sit with it for a bit and, you know, allow yourself to entertain the idea that these things could be real, then that allows you to think, okay, well, maybe this book that talks about excavations that have been done and physical evidence that exists, maybe I can read that and, you know, be able to take that information. And you just step at a, take it a step at a time. Yeah. And 
along with it the best that you can because that's what you and I are also doing we may be on YouTube talking about this stuff but we certainly don't know it all we're on our own journey of curiosity and discovery and we like to live by what Bashar says right follow live in the state of your highest excitement without any attachment to the outcome just follow the follow your passion, follow the passion. And, and for us, yeah, once, at least for me, you know, once I got beyond some of the fear, you know, part of changing my worldview around these topics, then it became fun. Like you said, it becomes this, this, this way of expressing your curiosity and life can become this really cool mystery that you're uncovering and that you're constantly, you know, finding new like pieces of the puzzle for. And, and th- like, that's kind of, I guess, where, where I'm at with it now is like, okay, well, let's just find the next piece of the puzzle and just keep putting, putting the puzzle pieces together. You know, like there's, there's no need for us to say we've got it. There's no need for us to say we know now or to stay connected to or attached to, you know, one particular idea or belief. It's like, let's just keep finding more puzzle pieces and see yeah. what picture emerges. Yeah. I mean, why does everything have to be known? You know, like, why do we have to have answers for absolutely everything? If you live in a state of I don't know and exploration, it just allows for a lot more fun and a lot more possibility to emerge. So I think that acting like we know it all is very limiting. And I I just feel like that's an unfortunate way to live. You know, I think it's a lot more fun to be open minded. Yeah, we want to keep bringing you the weird stuff, everybody. That's what we're going to keep doing. And the mystery. We'll we'll keep we'll keep bringing you pieces of the puzzle that we find, and and you can start forming that that picture in your mind of of what our reality is is really like. So thank you all for tuning in and being with us today. If you want to go deeper and explore more information about the the star being star races, you can find a course called Meet the Star Races on our website website, www.starfamilywisdom.com. Tons of good resources for you there. And definitely check out the last two episodes. If you did not see them and this piqued your interest, check out episode Giants on Record, which was the previous one. And the one before that was uh, Scars of Eden book review by Sinead. So both of those episodes are the ones we were talking about in this episode and doing a little recap, a little synopsis of our, our research and what we found. Yeah. So thanks for listening along, everyone. We really, really love that you're here with us. Thank you so much for being here and participating in our community. Um, Of course, like, subscribe, share with your friends, come back for more and take part in our conversations. You can comment on YouTube. You can comment on our coming soon Facebook page. We're not sure yet when it will be actually finalized, but we will definitely let you know. And we look forward to just having more engagement with you on these topics. You know, we'd love to see you. engaging others also in this topic spreading this information not just this topic these topics um and of course like subscribe come back and we love you we appreciate you and we will see you again very soon